Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I am so excited you're here. Thank you so much for listening. All right, so I've got a solo episode for you today. And before we get into it, I want to just go over a few things. First, I'm a manifesting generator. And here's what that means. It means that the way I dance with energy is bouncy. I, I zig and zag. Uh, my flow is fast. I have a little bit of that manifester energy in that I get urges and I follow them. And I have a lot of that sacral energy too, where I wait to respond and then get a big sacral, holy hell yes. And this is how I've been living my life for the most part since day one. You know, there are times, and I talk about this a little bit, there are times when I felt the pressure from outside of me to do things differently. And yet my soul, my soul screams, that's not how we're supposed to do things. And so this is all I know. I was born a manifesting generator. I've been a manifesting generator my whole life. So as you listen to my story, you may think that I'm crazy. Um, it may not resonate with you or it may totally resonate with you. I, this is where I, I can be aloof AF because I only know this way. This is my truth. This is my experience. I don't always see ways that other people could see it as weird. So know that this is me sharing me with you and do with it whatever feels good to your soul. And that also just reminds me of a few days ago, a friend of mine asked for a recipe for no need spelt bread, which I used to make a lot. And that's no need as in K-N-E-A-D. Like you don't need to need the bread. So I used to make this a lot and I used to have a food blog. And so I shared the recipe from the food blog and I don't even know if she's noticed that it's my old food blog or if she cares. But it's so funny to me. It felt really vulnerable. And this is, this was, like, this is before I went gluten free. So I think it said it was from 2010. That's, I just felt so much love and compassion for the me of 10 years ago. And along with sharing this episode with you guys, I feel so much love and compassion and vulnerability for sharing the steps of my journey. And with that, let's get into the episode. But first, if you want to book a human design reading with me, go to kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And if you want free meditations, go to kelseyabbott.com slash meditations. And then I'm teaching core classes every Saturday right now. Go to kelseyabbott.com slash core to sign up for those. And I think that's it. Except also follow me on social media because I'm up to stuff. I've got ideas brewing and I want to tell you all about them. All right, now listen to me talk about my manifesting generator experience. I love you. Go forth and be awesome. Hey, you guys. As I was setting up to record this episode, Makai, my 13 and a half year old dog, was very adamant that he come in and help. And I was explaining to him that he would have to commit and he was all in. And then he changed his mind. He, so I had a reading a few years ago with animal intuitive Megan Shea. It's on the podcast or our conversation is on the podcast. I can't remember how much of the reading is actually part of the episode, but she told me, well, that Makai told her that he calls this podcast Inspiration Station. That makes my heart so happy. So anyway, the whole point of this episode today is I'm going to talk to you about my path as a manifesting generator. So I just learned about human design two years ago, a year and a half ago. And when I first looked at my chart, I had absolutely positively no idea what I was looking at. 
And then I saw that my type was manifesting generator and I Googled and just like poked around the web for a while. And finally I found something that described a manifesting generator as a warrior Buddha. And I was like, oh, well, I can get behind that. But really that's all I had for information until I really dug into the human design system. And that's when I learned that manifesting generators we are here to play. We are here to follow the joy. We're here to bounce around. While everyone else has been taught and is comfortable following, following a route that goes A to B to C to D, you know, in order and feels like for me down a narrow hallway, MGs are here to go from A to 26 to yellow to purple to bubbles to flowers, to Z. Like we just, we bounce around all over the place. And from the outside, it can make us look super non-committal or flaky. And I'm really grateful that I have never put that whole idea on me. But what is really happening is we have a sacral response like generators. And so the universe is showing us things and we're responding to what lights us up. And our sacral response moves faster. We move faster. Our flow is faster. So something might light us up. We follow that thing. And then the sacral response, the sacral yes, ends. It becomes a no or a meh, which is also a no. And then it's time to move on. The universe shows us these things. There are things that are supposed to teach us. Like we go we learn what we're supposed to learn and then we move on and we learn things quickly, meaning we learn what we're supposed to learn quickly. So we bounce around, we zigzag, and that's how we're supposed to do it. We are total weirdos. We are total round pegs that are not supposed to fit in any holes ever. We are not meant for cages. We are not meant for boxes. We are not meant for labels. And so I wanted to share my own individual path until now, um, just to show you, it's like showing you a manifesting generator in the wild, showing you real, real life with a manifesting generator. And like I said, I just learned about human design a year and a half or two years ago. That's when I learned what an MG is. And when I learned that, oh, it felt so good. It felt like, well, yes, exactly. And I remember times in my life, I can take it back to grade school, feeling like everyone else was following this playbook. Like they just seemed to be doing things the way they were supposed to do, like, be doing them. They seemed to be going A, B, C, D. And I'd be like, well, and everything looks so easy for them. And so I would try for like, well, I never lasted longer than an hour. And then it just felt so awkward and uncomfortable and just plain miserable for me. So I'd stop and go back to doing it my way. And that's another thing about manifesting generators. We are here to carve our own paths. No one has done it our way before. We are on this planet in earth school right now to show other people, people of every other type. So that's generators, manifestors, projectors, and reflectors, that it's okay to not put yourself in a box, to not slap a label on yourself. It's okay to follow the joy. In fact, it's awesome to follow the joy. It's okay to play. And we will still, MGs, we're going to follow our, carve our own path, follow our own joy, and create something that's never been here before. We are going to be super successful by following the joy, by playing. There's this old belief system that says that you have to like buckle down and get all serious to be successful. And we're here to call bullshit on that and say, uh-uh, there's another way to do it. And we're going to show you how we do it. And by us living that design, we are going to give everybody else permission to do it that way as well. So let's start in college. 
And really I'm starting here because I have to start somewhere. And it seems like it would be really boring if I started at like, well, when I was three, no, no, no. I just want to show you some bits and pieces of what it's like to be an MG. And as I said, I feel like I've been living this design forever. And I am so, so incredibly grateful for that because I know so many people have done readings for so many people that when they learn even just their energy type, it just feels like this big, fat, eye-opening, you know, I use the word permission slip, but what I picture is a net, one of those nets that like trapezes fall into. It's just this big supported net to just relax into, to be like, oh my God, I can do it that way. So I feel super grateful. And again, that word isn't enough, but that's that's all I've got with English right now. So I feel super grateful that I have been living this way my entire life. And it's been a balance beam because I've been living this way. And then I have these moments of like, why is it so easy for everyone else? Because they're, most of them aren't carving their own paths. So here I am like making fresh tracks in this like five foot deep snow. And that's harder work than just, you know, walking through a path that already exists. But you know what is really boring for me? Walking on a path that already exists. I'm the type of person who always wants to know what's around the corner. This is a problem only when I'm hiking, biking, or running and need to be somewhere at a certain time because I have to be very strict with myself. Like, no, you need to turn around. But if it's a curvy path and I've never been there before, I always just, please, can we just see what's around this corner? This used to drive feet crazy when we were in the camp or exploring new places all the time. And I just get so excited about what's around the next corner. Okay, so back, back to college. So I went to liberal arts school. I went to Bowdoin College in Maine. And I majored in psychology and art history, and I minored in biology. I kind of knew at the time that that wasn't normal. Most people have one major, maybe a major and a minor. But I had a double major and a minor, and you know what? That was really, I used to call it a minor and a half. Because the only thing that kept me from having a biology major and a triple major, which I don't know if they would let me do, is my refusal to take organic chemistry. I... That was a sacral no. I had zero interest in organic chemistry. So that was necessary to be a biology major. Therefore, I was a bio minor and a half with psych and art history. And I can't imagine doing it any other way. I remember having so many friends who would just take classes in biology or just in econ or government. And my school gave us, I, th I think there were like, there were requirements that you had to spread out beyond that. But um, I just couldn't have done, I couldn't have narrowed it down any more than that. I just got, I was really excited about those three subjects. And I took classes and other stuff as well. Okay, so where the hell do you go from a, like college experience with a double major in psychology and art history and a biology minor. What are you supposed to do with that? And I stumped career services. I went in there. Well, first of all, let me say as a varsity athlete, I used to, we, every varsity athlete or captains or I'm not sure, but we all got these recruitment letters from all these various investment banks and consulting firms. That was a, a thing. And that was a thing that I knew was a definite hard no. Nope. Absolutely not. I have no interest in that. And one other thing I knew for sure is I will not be working somewhere where I'm going to have to wear a suit. That is also a definite no-no. So career services said to me, so do you want to go to med school? I was like, no. Do you want to go to law school? No. Do you want to be a teacher? No. Do you want to go to vet school? And I was like, wait, so if these are my four options, then I don't know. Maybe. I guess that's the one I choose. But what I was really interested in the time was animal behavior. 
So that took me to Hawaii where I studied dolphin health and behavior. So I, the health part got me in to veterinary science and the behavior was really what lit me up. And you will see, you're going to see some themes going across this, this career path of mine. So I was totally lit up during this time. Um, I was not wearing a suit every day. I was wearing a bikini every day. I was in the sun. I was playing with dolphins and learning a ton. And I was totally overworked. And I'm very grateful that I am an MG and could handle that. But it was, it was an amazing experience. Okay, so from there, and also, side note, that's where I met Pete. So I, I really think the universe was pushing me to go have that experience so that I could meet my soulmate. Well, re-meet him because I know we've had other lifetimes together. So anyway, I came back from that and I'm following the whole, like this seems to be what I'm doing, marine biology, veterinary medicine. I go work at the New England Aquarium in Boston. And let's see, what did I do there? I worked on the whale watch. So I was a naturalist on the whale watch, which is really fun and also not that glamorous. FYI, rough seas, please don't eat chocolate. That's not going to go well. I also worked on, there was an educational boat. So I worked on that and I did educational talks in the aquarium, like talking about the otters and the seals, sometimes the penguins, and talking about the veterinary medical center. And I got to do some work with the vets there as well. And that's where I learned that, nah, I don't want to be a vet. Uh, you know what I loved there? Giving those educational talks, making up um, projects and programs to educate the public and seeing people light up when they learn something, when they learn just like a little factoid, loved it. You, you know, you see their eyes light up. You see, you see and feel their excitement. That was everything for me. I love the animals too. And I love that I got to know the end the animals individually, same as in Hawaii. From there, so uh, Pete's in my life right now. He's going to get his master's and he's doing his research in Barbados, studying coral reef fish. And he finagled something where I got to be his research assistant. So I get to go to Barbados with him. We dive every day. It sounds super glamorous. Talking about it now, it even sounds super glamorous to me. And we would freeze because we were in the water all day. And we were in the water all day, so it was really tiring. And how amazing was that? We were diving in Barbados and learning a ton and having a blast. And then from there, I went to grad school. Now, let's talk for a second about my profile is a 4-6. And that's, if you've been listening... Samantha Livingstone is also a four six. Jesse Klein, who we've done two human design like playtime episodes together, she's also a four six. And four sixes, we learn from other people, and we like everything that comes into our life comes through our people. It comes through our tribe. So I'm looking at grad schools, and there is this person in my town that I grew up with who already is in the master's program at Duke. She tells me all about how much she loves it and I am applying and I'm in. So then I get there and something happened. I have every intention of studying marine mammals, although I'm not super specific about what I want yet. And I find out that the one professor who advises all the marine mammal students, he's full. And so once again, I'm carving my own path, making my own uh, program with bringing in some ecology, bringing in some health, bringing in the conservation and adding in the marine mammals. 
So I earned my master's in marine animal science and conservation. And oh, another thing that's not normal, what quote unquote normal. Um, while I'm writing my thesis, it's called a master's project in my program. You know, most people, that's the only thing they're focusing on. But as an MG, it it's like it would cause me actual pain to only focus on one thing. I cannot wrap my head around that. So I needed something else to focus on. So I signed up for a triathlon. And that's when I did my first real triathlon. So after grad school, I went and worked for a nonprofit, an NGO in Washington, D.C. And that was a not this. I was, I got tired. I got sick. It was, you know, just a cold. But I just remember feeling so, so drained. And from there, we moved to Corvallis, Oregon. Pete got a job out there and they had promised that they had something for me as well. And they did not. So I ended up, I taught swim lessons. I did some freelance work and some writing about protected species. And, you know, that was like the biggest, not this experience. It rained some ridiculous number of days when we were there. I did get to swim outside in the middle of the day eventually. And that was like the only speck of joy I created in the life out there. So that then when I was offered a position in DC, I took it in a second. So Pete and I did this bi-coastal thing where all of my stuff stayed in Oregon and I just got a studio in DC. We did that for a year. So while I'm working at NOAA in Washington, D.C., I'm observing this whole world, this whole world of, um, you know, fancy work clothes and working in a cubicle. And one day I wore a bright pink shirt. And I know I wore it more than one day, but I remember one day and somebody complimented me on it and it was said in a way like, oh my goodness, you're so brave because everyone used to wear gray and navy and black. And that was not my thing. Um, I used to like try and cheat the system by I would wear chacos instead of real shoes. And I always, my shoes were always off the second I was at my desk. I just never really felt like I fit there. And towards the end of my time there, that's when I discovered Myers-Briggs. And I learned that on the Myers-Briggs test, I'm an ENFP. And I have been in every single version of that test I've ever taken. And it sounds like home to me. And I read the description of that. And it's like, you should not work for something where you're doing the same thing every day. And I was, I was doing permitting for protected species. So I got to talk to scientists about their research. That was really exciting. But then I'd have to write all the governmentees that's what I used to call it, um, you know, explaining their permit. And I'd have to write an environmental impact assessment for the work. And that part wasn't as fun at all. That's a huge understatement. That part was miserable. Also, meetings, conference rooms, being inside. I would always, when we had a meeting, if it was just a few people, I would always be like, let's go outside. Let's walk around. And this was this was a while back. Apparently this is more of a thing these days, but I was a total weirdo for being like, okay, let's go outside. Even like, let's go eat lunch outside. I was biking to and from that office until that got a little bit scary. And then once it got scary, I was just, you know, I knew to the minute when I got to leave, like I had my whole day, my, my day was basically planned around. I found a spin class that I loved to go to in the morning and then I had swim practice at night and the, and in the middle I had this like, eh, just unfun time. I, I made some friends, but on the whole, it just like, it did not light me up. So anyway, I learned that I'm an ENFP, learned that I'm not supposed to be doing jobs like what I'm doing. Um, I shouldn't be in a cubicle. I shouldn't really have a boss. Basically I'm here to play. And I remember one staff meeting looking around and we had a small department. There were like 10 of us maybe looking around and 
just guessing what other people's types were. And maybe we had had some conversations about it, but having read those descriptions being like, oh my goodness, these people love this. This lights them up. And this just isn't for me. And that was a huge permission giving moment. So then I'm there for a year. I'm offered a big promotion. Like we're talking DC, working for the government, big deal. I said, no, thanks. And I quit. And this is when Pete and I, Pete then quit his job in Oregon and we moved to Maine. Now people think this is a really big deal. I had a lot of people say to me like, how did you do that? How did you have the guts to do that? And no, this was in 2006. So I have not worked in an office. I worked, I worked in an office a total of like 15 months in my life. And the last time I did it, it was 2006. So I have been self-employed for 14 years now. Well, with little things, but they haven't been, you know, like I've, I've coached swimming and stuff for other people. But anyway, they ask like, I would be so scared to do what you do. And I had even coworkers of mine were like, oh my God, you're my hero. I can't believe you're doing this. It did not feel scary to me at all. It, for me, it was really simple and straightforward. It was just, I don't like this and I will be miserable if I stay here. This isn't for me. And so I'm going to go figure out what is for me. And I wasn't looking for a new job. Pete and I thought we might start something. It wasn't a, I didn't have a net to jump into. It was simply a, well, not this. Let's figure out the rest as we go. And so to anyone who's scared of making that leap, I guess all I have to say is, how's it going to feel to stay with where you are? And a reminder to be brave enough to let go of the not this to make space for the this. Because the universe is always looking out for you. And if you're a generator or an MG, it's all about clearing our aura. And when we get rid of all the things that are not sacral yeses in our life, the universe sees what we're doing and sends more yeses our way. And every time we say no to something that is not for us, we're like, we're basically like helping the universe filter. We're showing the universe what we want. We are, we're helping steer things in the direction that is for our highest good. Okay. So we moved to Maine and what are we going to do? We ended up, <laughs> so we're there for like, oh, maybe a couple weeks. And we, we were flipping through the local paper and read some, it was like some random article about somebody who had gone to the Salt Institute for Documentary Studies. And we had been talking about doing documentary films for a while. And so we're like, this is so funny. I'm just remembering, I'm just seeing the the universe's hand in this as i'm sharing this with you right now so we happen to see this totally random article then happen to decide to call the school they say applications have closed come on down and talk to us we went down they'd like never taken a couple before and they were like we start monday this was like two days from then we want you guys to join us like we're gonna move all this stuff around so you can join us. And there was something about Pete was a Canadian citizen at the time. He still is. He's just now also an American citizen. And so they jumped through a bunch of hoops for him. And yeah, yeah. so the universe was like, here, you need, this is your next step. You need to go here. So that's where we learned not documentary filmmaking because that is not what they taught. It's old. They taught documentary writing, which is nonfiction writing and photography. We were both in the writing track. And what we wanted to do and what we did at Salt is we wrote about science. We wrote 
about fisheries in Maine and real people. And it was a really incredible, valuable experience. And so, yeah, the universe pushed us towards this here. You need to get this writing experience. And it's something that I had started at Duke. So this is a path that's continuing. It's showing up again in my life. And then I went on to do a ton of freelance science writing and to start my own science blog where I used to take, I would read scientific papers. That was scientific. I stumbled over to that word. I would read scientific papers and I'd make them fun, funny, accessible. And this is like going back to what I did at the aquarium. When I saw people light up when they learned something and I Oh, I just got so excited about that, about people getting excited about science. And then, and then also watching their behavior change because once they got excited about science and they got excited about nature and felt connected with it, then they cared more about the environment. I would make new choices. That was amazing. Oh, and along the lines, along, along the way, um, shortly after SALT, Pete and I were both offered the opportunity to do some financial writing. We both tried it. Pete stuck with it. It was a huge, not this for me. And now I, I see that too. Um, I see the way the universe pushed me and the universe is like, uh, uh-uh, this is not the right path for you. And I knew in every way. And I, I also see how like my open Ajna didn't work with that path, the whole thing, I really was following my design with the universe's help. So I'm doing this science writing and I got, it was like close to 2008, I think. And I got these opportunities in big deal science writing platforms at the time. It was like rock stardom for science writers. And I get these big opportunities and then one at a time, there are three of them, one at a time they'd say, we're going to get your contract next week. And then they say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. We just lost all of our funding. And at this time, oh, I forgot to tell you, I was also coaching swimming at the local Y. And I can't, I think I was also teaching group fitness classes. So let's take a little detour to explain how that happened. I was coaching swimming. I just, as soon as we moved there, I reached out to the local team and asked if they needed help coaching and they did. So then one day I was watching, you know, I was coaching and I noticed that the 12 year old girls weren't doing flip turns. And so I asked the coach, what's up with that? Why aren't they doing flip turns? And he said, cause their abs aren't strong enough, which I knew was absolutely false, but I was like, I'll teach an abs class for them. So that happened. I started teaching. It was built as a class for middle school girls. And middle school in Maine was different things at different schools. So it was basically for girls 12 and up. But a little badass 10-year-old would make it into the class every once in a while. And then as the class went on, the kids got older. And so really it became for girls 12 to 18. And then sometimes we allowed boys in. It was this amazing experience. I loved it so much. And one day when all the girls were in high school, they came in and they said, Kelsey, you're my person. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And they said, we were talking about suicide in school today. And we had to choose a person, an adult we trust, that we would tell if we start having suicidal thoughts. That's not our parents. Oh feeling honored. It felt heavy. And, you know, it was exactly, it was exactly where I was supposed to be at that time. These girls, I loved that work. I love watching them do 10 push-ups in a row for the first time. I love watching them get stronger I loved watching, you know, we had so many conversations about nutrition and I would be very clear with them that I had no background in nutrition, but I knew they needed to eat. <laughs> um, and we, I, we just had this magical relationship. 
And so as I'm teaching that, a couple weeks into teaching, I feel like the the wellness director taught a core class for adults and she started asking me to cover it. And so after a few weeks of my covering it for her, she was like, actually, will you just take it over? So all of a sudden I'm now teaching four classes a week, which then I think became six classes a week. And then, then I started teaching spinning and I don't, I would cover Pilates every once in a while, which came with the caveat of this isn't going to be real Pilates because I don't know real Pilates, but we're going to do a core workout. And, and then somewhere along the line, I started personal training. So I've got all of that going on. Plus the science rating, the science rating things, everything gets pulled all except like one contract. And that's when I saw on Facebook, Becca, the same person who had gone to Duke posting something about life coaching, about how she had, she was in life coach training and had some free sessions that she wanted to give to people. I had never heard of life coaching at all. I had no idea what it was, but there was something about that that just was like, you know, my soul was like tapping me on the shoulder. It was like this, 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 this. And so I emailed Becca right away and I was like, tell me more. She told me all about it. And, you know, just like with Duke, a couple of days later, I'm enrolled in the school. And again, as a four, six, look at these ways that I've, I've gotten into things from people I know. I started, you know, once I got into coaching at the Y I started teaching the classes as a result of knowing the coach. And then I started teaching more classes because of the wellness director. It was, it's all about the connections. And then I start, I get into coach training because of somebody I know. So, oh, let's take a detour for a second. So as, as a kid, my grandfather used to tell me all these stories. He was an amazing storyteller. And he'd tell all these stories about how he started doing things, how he got jobs because he just knew a guy, how he got into school because he just knew a guy and all of these stories. And I would get so frustrated when I was a kid and I would want to shout, pops, it's not like that anymore. In other words, you have to apply to schools and they don't, well, my dream was always, I just want someone to come hang out with me for the day. In other words, I just want somebody to know me. I, it was my soul being like, yeah, you have that desire because you're a four, six, and that's actually how things work for you. And this is triggering you, what your grandfather is saying, because there's a part of you that knows it's true. And it is. There are other things too. I, I coached for this organization called She Jams, which was a women's triathlon club. Again, I got into that because of someone I knew. Everything, everything was a connection with somebody I knew. Everything, everything. It just cracks me up as I look back on all this stuff. All right. So I get into coaching school. That's amazing. That's life-changing. And as I told you, science writing has been cut. And one day I'm at coaching school. It was in person, like three long weekend in-person modules. So I'm staying at the hotel. I went for a run in the morning, came back to the hotel and someone who worked at the hotel said, Oh, are you a professional athlete? And I laughed and I said, no, I'm a science writer. And then I was walking into my hotel room and I thought to myself, why did I say that? And I realized it was because I had earned my master's degree in marine biology and in conservation. I had done all that work. I had put all that money into that career as a marine biologist. And that felt legit to me. I couldn't admit that actually I'm a group fitness instructor and a personal trainer. And I was also at the time as a triathlon coach, and that was a really big piece of my income. No, no, no. I went back on the, I'm a science writer. 
<clears throat> excuse me, my, my throat chakra doesn't even want me to say that because it, I was doing such a tiny amount of science writing at the time. But that's, it's funny what we cling to for identity, right? These old stories that we, we hear other people say. And probably, you know, at the beginning I said, I never felt flaky. I never felt like I was bouncing around or noncommittal. And I, I heard maybe one or two people mumble about it in my life. But I think that my saying that I was a science writer was a bit of me being like, oh, don't worry. It's not like I've bounced too far away from where I started. And, you know, let's just do this right now. Let's look at the dots. Being a scientist, being a biologist helped me it gave me permission to be curious. I was super curious as a kid. I was so curious that my parents bought me a book called What? Because I was always asking, what? What does this do? What is, <laughs> how does this work? And then I went on to study biology and psychology and I, I got to ask those questions constantly. So that hones my curiosity, which totally prepares me for being a professional coach because that's what coaching is, it's asking questions and just leaning into curiosity. Then getting into science writing and um, science education, that's why I'm seeing that engagement. I'm connecting with humans. I'm communicating with humans. I am using my voice to communicate with humans. And this is all actually like part of my design I'm seeing people light up. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm getting ready perhaps for this podcast. I'm getting the tools I need for the podcast. And then the coaching, the teaching. Well, hell, I brought back core classes during quarantine and it's so fun. I love it. Um, personal training, you know what? I think that that was just information I needed to like get for myself because I'm always curious about, I've got gate 46 and that's all about the physical body. It's a love for the physical body. I always want to know how to make myself, make my body healthier, make my body happier. Let's see. Then there's triathlon coaching. That, I loved that so much. And eventually I reached a point where I just was super passionate about what was going on in athletes' minds. And I didn't really care what they were doing for their workouts. And I had zero desire in fighting athletes who weren't doing their workouts. It's either you do the work or you don't do the work. But really, let's talk about your relationship with your boss. Because what is it that's keeping you going into work on Saturdays and Sundays instead of doing your workouts? So all of these dots they all connect. So after coaching school, when I finished in 2014, I think is when I got certified. I'm horrible with time, <laughs> horrible with it. Um, and I only know that it was, yeah, I think it was 2014 because I came across a Facebook memory last year that said five years ago. So then at some point I started the podcast and again, I've been training for that my whole life. And then I discovered human design. Everything comes together from the outside. It looks so bouncy and jagged and flighty and crazy and weird and noncommittal. And how long is Kelsey going to be into this? But then also you can look back and be like, oh, I've been training for this. I'm made for this. And now I can look at my chart and be like, look at all the things I had to go pick up along the way to get ready for this. So I'm sharing all of this with you guys to show you whether you're a manifesting generator or you love a manifesting generator. This, this is normal for us. This is how we're supposed to bounce through life. This isn't me saying like my way is the right way. And looking back, for the most part, I was following the joy. Those things I told you about, like that 
work for an NGO that felt super draining. Did I take that job because I was following the joy? No, I took it because I thought it's what I should do. Did I, was I psyched about <laughs> that, that other Noah job in DC? Mm, I was desperate to get out of Oregon and it got me out of Oregon. You know, everything serves a purpose. It is all part of our path and it might not make sense in the moment. But someday you'll be able to see, oh, how sassy was that? I mean, you heard me figuring out just how incredibly supported I was by the universe when we went to study documentary studies, documentary writing at SALT. That was really, and you know what? The school doesn't exist anymore. The school closed a couple of years ago. So it just like, we had to get there at that time. Everything lined up perfectly. The universe is supporting you. You are so supported. You can fall back into that big net. Your only job, if you are an MG, is to get rid of everything in your life that is a no. If it is a not this, just let it go. And let the universe serve you up what is a this. And it doesn't need to be a this forever. You don't need to be like, oh my God, universe, I love this pumpkin pie that you just gave me, but I don't really want to eat pumpkin pie every day for the rest of my life. Who said you had to eat pumpkin pie for the rest of your life? I remember when I was a personal trainer, I loved it, I loved it, I loved it, I loved it, and then I didn't. And I went through this phase, again, this is before human design, so I went through this phase of being like, I don't want to do this, but I'm always happy that I've done it. Doesn't that so sound like something your mom said to you when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah. So now in hindsight, I would probably say like, yeah, I could have quit that earlier with travel and coaching. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I used to build plans on Sunday nights or Sundays during the day. And we were in the camper my last year of coaching, which meant Wi-Fi was unreliable. And sometimes I would be building Training Peaks plans on my phone, which is really challenging. Um, and I would just start to resent Sundays. I would start, I'd be like, oh, I have to do that today. And yet talking to my athletes, I would be so jazzed for that, that connection, that heart to heart connection, that was everything for me. And so that's when I decided to close my triathlon coaching business. So I could just focus on, I would call it mindset coaching. I'd say athletes, I'm so much more interested in your mind than in whether or not you're doing your workouts. I don't care what numbers you're hitting. And this is just like the sacral, yes, is there, it's there, it's there, it's there. And then that's not. And that is normal for us, MGs. If you're a generator listening to that, that's not normal for you. <laughs> for you guys, it tends to be like, it's a sacral, yes, it lasts for years. And let's just, as we're closing this out, I also want to share with you just with all of, with my career path, came a lot of moving, like physical movement. And so when, and when I worked for the government, we had to write every place you'd lived for the last five years. And they gave you like this tiny block and you could add extra pages. So I had to add like five extra pages and you had to have a reference for each one of those places, which was so challenging for me. But let's just look at that path from like, I went to college in Maine then I went to Hawaii, then worked in Boston, then to Montreal. I didn't even mention that part of the story. Then to Barbados, then to North Carolina for grad school, then to Seattle and Friday Harbor for master's research, then back to North Carolina, to the coast this time for grad school, then to DC, then to Oregon, then to DC, then to Maine for 10 years. Then we got in the camper and we traveled around the country 
for 16 months. And then we moved to Florida and we've been here for two years. This is the manifesting generator path. It is perfect. I love it. I'm so incredibly grateful for it. And I am so incredibly grateful for human design showing me that this crazy way of being is exactly how I am supposed to be. So that's it. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. I'm an open book. I will tell you whatever you need to know. No, I won't. I actually totally don't believe in advice, but I will coach you around what answers you have within you. Okay. So let's hit the links again. To book a human design reading with me, go to kelseyabbott.com slash human design. You can get an individual reading or a partner reading. To get totally free meditations, go to kelseyabbott.com slash meditations. To join us for core class, which is op- it's virtual class, so anyone can join, kelseyabbott.com slash core. And then, you know, I also coach people around living their design, and that's like my favorite thing in the world. If you're interested in that, just reach out to me. Ed, send me a DM on Instagram. Contact me through my website. You can find a way to get in touch with me. I trust you. If this is the way that we are supposed to work together, you will find a way. The universe will provide a way. And one more thing. I always forget to give the Patreon link. If you want to support the Find Your Awesome podcast financially, you can go to patreon.com slash Kelsey Abbott. All right, let's get out of here. I love you. Let's go ride bikes and play and splash in the pool and run and romp and be silly. Let's just be ridiculous. I love you. And I love your unique you and the universe does too. So please let yourself be shiny and sparkly and seen and lean all the way in to your gifts. We need them. 